Welcome to the All Souls Episcopal Parish in Berkeley's Sermon Podcast. Today is the 10th Sunday after Pentecost, and we hear from the Reverend Phil Burchard, where he preached from several passages in the lectionary this week, which was Isaiah 5, 1-7, Hebrews 11, 29-12-2, and Luke chapter 12, verses 49-56. As always, you can find more sermons, more information about All Souls on our homepage, which is allsoulsparish.org. Family lore is that in 1964, the arguments between my grandfather and my mother were the stuff of legend. And it really came to a focus Christmas break of 1964, when my mother was home from college, not just any college, uh, she was home from my grandfather's alma mater, the University of California, Berkeley. Uh, But in the fall of 1964, the university right next door here bore little resemblance to the cow that my grandfather had known. Massive student sittings had ground the school to a halt as students demanded that their First Amendment rights to free speech be honored. They occupied Sproul Plaza, you may have seen the photos of Mario Savio on top of the police car that held his friend Jack Weinberg. They then occupied Sproul Plaza. It was really intense here in Berkeley throughout the fall of 1964. My mom was a supporter of and a firm believer in the free speech movement. My grandfather was not. So you can imagine that Christmas break in 1964. To my grandfather, I think it smacked of anarchy, of disrespect. To my mom, it was about freedom and justice. Their disagreements reached such a crescendo that more than once, family lore has it, that my grandmother retreated to the couch under the helpful influence of a quaalude. You see, the seismic events of 1964 divided that house. Father against daughter, daughter against father. Let's fast forward exactly 30 years. It's now the fall of 1994, and now it's me. I'm in uh, the kitchen of the home I grew up in, and I'm in a heated conversation with my father. I'm home from Cal, having uh, demonstrated against Prop 187, which was a state proposition that attempted to prohibit any kind of state support, legal, financial, medical, to any non-citizen of the state of California. As I remember it to him, it was about order and fairness. For me, it was about compassion 
and mercy. And my mother, having gone through her own battles 30 years back, she was fine. <laughs> she had no need of quaaludes. She just sat back and watched it roll. Uh, but once again, it was uh, generational change. And the arguments divided father against son and son against father. I still remember some of the heat of those conversations. And now it has me wondering what the next five years will bring with our two sons. <laughs> what will the issue or the event be that kindles the fiery heat of passionate disagreement? What might divide our household? And to what end will it be pointing? Well, this morning, once again, we hear from that Jesus. He's always wanting to focus on the family. Just promoting family values wherever he goes. Uh, these tend to be the verses of Scripture that are not cross-stitched. Can you imagine that? Frank, would you please hand me the pillow? You know the one that's cross-stitched? Do you think that I have come to bring peace on the earth? No, I tell you, but rather division. Not so much. And friends, uh, these are really hard verses, actually, to hear, especially on a week like this one, a week when mentions of civil war increased tenfold on Twitter. And it's challenging enough just to get through a week like this one. But if you're like me, when you come on Sunday, um, especially with Jesus, I'm looking to hear uh, maybe some respite, some healing, and then we hear this gospel. And it makes you wonder, what is Jesus thinking? And as I've sat with this gospel this week and considered just all the feelings of where we are as a country right now. Here's what my sense is. It's that Jesus knows that this message of repentance, of a change of heart, of a reversal of the status quo, that this will threaten the power that some people hold and that it will divide people. And uh, so what he does is he takes the dominant social structure of his day, which was the family, and that's where he locates the division that will come. But I think it's important for us to remember that he's not just doing this just because he's stressed. I think he's actually doing this with real purpose. And so what might that purpose be? 
Well, to get a clear picture of that, I think it's important to know where he's headed. And so I want us to look forward in Luke's gospel just a few verses. Because after this section, uh, after telling people of the fire that he wishes to bring and of that stress that he is feeling, can you imagine him kind of imploring them? Jesus then tells a parable. And it's a parable that we heard a few months back in Lent. It's the parable of the fig tree. For those who might not remember that parable, it goes like this. There's a, an owner of uh, a, a fig tree, and he comes uh, seeking, it's the season, like right now, where uh, figs should be ripe and sweet, and he once again comes to the fig tree, and there are no figs. And he's so frustrated that it isn't bearing fruit, that he orders his gardener to cut it down. But the gardener says, wait, I, I, I can do that, but let's wait a season. First, let me uh, dig around it, let me place manure there around it, and then after another season, if it doesn't bear fruit, then we can cut it down. I share this parable today because I think it's important to hear that parable in relationship to what Jesus is talking about, fire and division. Because Jesus wants us to pay very close attention to the urgency of now. As in, people are in pain now. People are in fear now. People are feeling dispossessed now. So I believe that Jesus is asking then, like Jesus is asking now, how long must they and we suffer? It's a parable about urgency. Because if we are created to bear fruit, fruit that is absolutely needed for our own wholeness and for the wholeness of all those around us, then what are we doing? Look around, Jesus is saying. What more evidence do you need? And when he does this, he's actually picking up on a theme from the Hebrew Scriptures, all throughout the Scriptures. Remember, this is one God, two Testaments. And it's a theme that we heard in our first reading this morning. It's a, it's a different scene of cultivation from the prophet Isaiah. And this scene is of a vineyard, a vineyard that has been planted on a fertile hill. It has been laid out with care. It has everything it needs to thrive. It has been lovingly kept. But the vineyard has yielded rotten fruit. And out of pain and frustration, the vineyard owner has had enough. 
and is ready to let the briars and the weeds and the animals take over. Why? Why is the vineyard owner, who we're told is God, why does God get so frustrated? Because people are being hurt. God has expected to see justice, but instead sees bloodshed. God should be seeing the fruits of righteousness, but instead is hearing the cry of suffering. This is not what the goodness of creation is for. And it must change. And we are the ones to take part in that change. And it means that you and I have to pay close attention to the weather. As in, we need to pay attention to which way the wind is blowing and who will suffer when the storm makes landfall. Or who will be thirsty first when the rains don't come. And it's work that we actually have already been called to at this point in the life of this parish, we are calling it the Isaiah Project. As you may know, in the years to come, with a tithe that is coming from our most recent capital campaign, we will be looking to become what the prophet Isaiah later in this book calls repairers of the breach and restorers of the streets to live in. But first... We have to pay attention to the people and to the world around us. We need to listen, all of us, and there will be ways for all of us to listen and to speak as part of this. We're going to need to listen for where the pain is, as well as the courage and the compassion. We're going to have to look for where the vines of the vineyard are being trampled and where people are already doing the work of restoring those protective hedges. We, you and I, will need to repent, to see anew, to see with God's eyes so that we can take part in the work of God's repair. And we have to recognize that when we engage in this kind of repentance, when we find these new ways of seeing, we will be changed by that. And not everybody will be ready for that change. It's hard to absorb that kind of change. And so some will be dismissive or frightened or resentful. And I understand this. I understand it because I myself have experienced that when you may have as well, when you come to an uncomfortable truth that you've been told and it smarts to hear it and you know it's true. But as we look around us, as we feel big feelings for where we are, 
know that our moment as Christians, as repairers of the breach, is upon us. The societal forecast could not be more urgent or clear. And we have everything we need. For now is the time for us to repent and to repair.